Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at the Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook and or everybody else that had a great time on Black Friday. They went to hypercleanstore.com. Nick killed it with incredible updates to the episode, uh, to the, uh, the, the, the web page. We worked really hard. You dove in a lot of hours, man. The page looked great. And dude, there was so many, I got how many people, right? I mean, it was incredible. The amount of people coming to the hyper yeah. store page during black Friday, we heard other people's numbers were down. A lot of people didn't have a random sit. Like it was rough for a lot of people, man. We had yeah. an incredible black Friday. It was awesome. Yeah, Thanks to everybody no, in the community. That was fun. That was, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those moments, right? You know, we don't run a lot of sales and uh, you see the support come out for something like Black Friday and all you can say is thanks, right? That's all you can. I mean, it's been awesome, man. What a, what a, what a great, you know, finish to the Thanksgiving, you know, holiday. And, and I hope everybody got to enjoy some deals. In a sense, end of the season, right? Kind of the close of most people's season. There's actually more and more people starting to post closing down for the season, closing down. You know, I get it, California and all the other people like you all that have nice weather throughout the year. Oh, you yeah. don't know what that's like, but uh <laughs> Yeah, when I knew I was staying in detailing, I went somewhere where I could do it 365. Smart thinking, that guy. Smart I thinking. Know. I know. All right, let's get into buy and sell. I'll go first. I am selling this week. That might be a three-week. Uh, yeah, you're you're big. Here. Everybody says I sell. I think you guys need to do the stats. It's a lot of Marty selling these days. A lot of a lot of selling. A lot of stuff to be sold. Listen, I'm selling Jay Will, aka Tyson. Come on, Nick. You've been watching it. You hadn't been watching it. Everybody else has. Sloan huh? back in business, but he's not in Philly. He's now the king of Tulsa. Tulsa <laughs> King, a new series with Sylvester Stallone. I have, I have, I have seen. It. I heard it was terrible. Best series ever. Best. <laughs> Tulsa, that's why you're. Man. That's why you're Tulsa. selling it. <laughs> I'm selling Jay Will. I'm selling Jay Will. All right, Jay Will's the guy Tyson that is driving him around. He was the cab driver, then gets hired. Right, second, uh, the second episode is uh, really a cool one. The center of the universe is a real thing. Uh, it really tripped me out in high school, got out of a limo, right? You, you, your first time really in a limo was high school, getting dressed up for the prom. Guy drops us off and goes, this is the center of the universe. You got to go out. You do. You walk into this middle part, and it's all because of the acoustics, but it's really crazy. Go watch the episode. It is real uh, center of the universe. Even the uh, the old bag lady that's sitting there, that's a homeless lady. She's real too. Anyway, uh Jay Wills, I'm all about him until in that second episode, you'll see it. He's washing the car. Everything's going great until he goes to wash the car. He's double fisting it. He's got one towel up here. He's got another towel down here, and he's got circles all over. And you only see it for about two seconds, right? And they give him shit for washing the car. But the worst part about it is you hear from other people that are watching. Hey, that looks like a towel you guys have. Hey, is that what you guys do? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Easy there, Jay Will, yeah. man. You're putting a stain <laughs> on us here in, in Tulsa. We didn't teach that here in Tulsa, man. Tulsa King is not about the way Jay Will's washed that car. I, I got to sell Jay Will's for that, but 
dude, it's a fun episode on the uh, the second episode doing uh, going into the uh, center of the universe. It's a cool place. It's a fun thing. Well, I'm going to join you and I'm going to sell. I've had a uh, few run-ins. And so we're going to add a guy to our car guy that's struggling to understand the world. Uh, as you guys know, Corvette guy exists. Porsche guy has kind of come out of the blue as a guy. Bronco guy. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I have a lot of great clients that have Broncos. Most of them, it's a third or fourth car or more than that. Maybe it's just something they wanted. But essentially, we got these $50,000 SUVs that are selling for, you know, 80 grand. And I've had a run in with two Bronco guys recently in my business, nice guys, but they talk about their Bronco as if it's a Ferrari. It's like, whoa, guy, we're talking about a Bronco. Okay. I get it. I like your Bronco. I root on the Bronco. I wish it had some different things, but I'll root the Bronco on. But I'm going to sell Bronco guy not understanding exactly where their car is in the hierarchy of the world. You got a $50,000 car that I get is overpriced at the moment. It won't always be overpriced. You, you got to relax. You, you, you're not driving around a Bugatti. It's just a Bronco. Cool car. Glad you got it. But yeah, I've had, I got a couple phone calls on Friday and I go, I got to sell Bronco guy come Monday. Uh, did you win any money this weekend? Some fun games watching. There's some stuff going. Did you get into the anything? No, I didn't. Uh, no, no, uh, no money on the line on the games this weekend. Like I said, it's it's been tough for me to to get into the NFL uh, here recently, last couple of years. But I did see some scores. Hmm. It was fun. It was brutal for some and fun for others. All right, let's get into the specialist group. It uh, it's growing there, popping, having some good discussions. One that we want to definitely get out from the gate is where people have talked about our extremely fast shipping, uh, Connor. Uh, thanks so much. Made a post, uh, bought some coding, got some Uno, and uh, he got it there pretty quick. So we wanted to go ahead and have a disclaimer currently right now for uh, the holiday season. Uh, might not always be as fast as normal, and most likely you'll actually see a greater chance of getting damaged. So uh, be patient during the holiday seasons. We're oh, yeah. getting everything out, no problem. But we do stagger. We have learned to stagger. We learned to send some stuff early. We learned to stagger some things later. So you might get things a little later, and there's a better possibility that you might get a broken package. Yeah, no, it's uh, they UPS, FedEx, USPS, they see their numbers go through the roof this time of year. Uh, it actually picks up again around Christmas, right? I mean, they, they kind of just get overflowed with packages here in the next month overall, and we do our best as a team. Marty kind of is the one that heads this up and does a great job. Uh, you know, we get stuff out, out as fast as anybody, and I'll say it right now. I mean, you're not getting things as fast from Amazon as us because uh, I can tell you my family's had some issues with Amazon as of recently, evidently. Uh, but, you know, again, there's certain things. Understand, we take the packages, and when they leave our warehouse, we have no control. Uh, that, that, that never can be repeated enough for any e-commerce re retailer. Uh, you just, you don't have control of that third party with your package. And, and unfortunately this time of year, they kind of struggle. 
Uh, but fortunately some are still making it. <laughs> yeah. So everybody count your blessings. If you're one that got your package and you got it somewhat in time, because not everybody will. All right. One thing that people have wanted to know, it's a question we've talked about before. I, uh, in my mobile unit, this was brought up by Adam Ford. We don't use an air compressor and Adam wanted to know, you know, looking for an air compressor for his mobile rig. Some we talked back and forth, even on the community pub, is, you know, what do people like to use? Air or brushes? And I, I mean, well, you, there's all kinds of different ways of doing it, especially yeah. now with the uh, the hyper clean scrub monsters, an incredible thing to use on the interior. But let's say somebody wants to build out a rig. You've got, what, five rigs out on the road. Do they have air compressors? What do you do? What's your style? We're a, we're a brushes and towel, and we're figuring it out with that. We, we don't carry an air compressor. Yeah, I, I carried them years ago. We didn't find a huge need for them. Uh, and obviously, when you're detailing a lot of cars, the problem with air compressors on the interior is you can actually blow buttons off on valuable cars. <laughs> you can actually do a lot of damage with air. Uh, so I kind of had to take that off, uh, especially certain trucks that run certain parts uh, of my business. But look, if I had a large van, you know, and this is how I would rebuild my business, especially as the uh, small transit vans became popular, they weren't really popular when I started my business, but if I went to a transit van, I'd carry an air compressor because I could fit it in there. Uh, there's definitely value in it, but we didn't find that we used it all that much. And then when we did use it, there's a risk factor when you have, you know, it's one thing when it's you using this stuff. That's one thing people have to understand about my advice sometimes is I can control everything when I'm the one doing the work. You know, it's real easy to say, well, just tell your guys not to do that. Well, they get their headphones on, they get in the groove, they just kind of forget, you know, you got to kind of reduce your risk. So actually, when you're working on older cars, a lot of damage will happen around buttons with air. So I just kind of removed it. We didn't see a need for it. I don't do a ton of that type of work or beat up interiors anymore. So if I had the space, I would carry an air compressor if I was, you know, doing all the work myself. Yeah. Uh, the style then we would know since we don't, we don't deal with them on a regular basis, but we love it. The people in the community hopped in and, and had discussions with them. All right. Next question. How long does Una or dose last once open, you know, and this could be from any of our Cody's, right? You got Trey, you got glass, you got another coating coming out very soon. Overall, the way I would talk about it is if somebody's got a coating, they're not sure if they're going to use all the bottle at that moment, put it in the fridge, you know, put it in a dark, cool place. That's the best way. Any any product, because let's go to the genius in the room. Uh, let's go back to third grade science class. Nick, uh, what happens when molecules get colder versus hot? I actually they slow down. Don't, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> they don't react as fast. They're much more slower, and nothing goes on as quite as fast. So yep. cool them off, get them dark, and you're going to be pretty good. But have have you yeah, actually timed so, out how long something can, can stay? No, and the thing I would say is, you know, we keep coatings on our truck. I've never had a problem if the, if, if the lid is put on back to as tight as possible. I find that a lot of times when I've seen coating go bad from, you know, manufacturers we used to carry to now ours, the lid wasn't put on tight, you know, more than being in a cool, dark place and slowing the molecules down. The thing that we really want to do is we want to prevent the air from getting in. 
and any tiny bit of air that gets into your bottle is a is a is a hindrance to it lasting. So Marty, you know because you guys you guys do a lot of this there at the at the the, the facility. Really crank down and make sure that your lid's on nice and tight. That will extend the life more than anything else. And, you know, when you're coating a car and you're done, get the lid on as fast as possible. There's certain coatings I've worked with in the past that I'll tell you that in between putting in the drops on, I'd put the lid back on because it was that reactive to, to air getting inside the bottle. And if you can, you know, swing that and find an efficient way to do that, that's even better. But ultimately, you kind of always say it, I'll say it. If you see cloudiness in the bottle, you know, and, and the liquid's not clear anymore, be better to be safe than sorry. Just order yourself a new bottle. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately it should last a couple months. If you, if you, if you've got something, you're not sure you're going to coat again for another couple months, buy the 30 mil, buy the 30 yeah. mil and you'll be good. There's no reason, you know, yeah. just buy the 30 mil and uh, you'll be good to go. All yep. right. Uh, got a 2020 Ford King ranch. This comes from Randy. And uh, wants to know, you know, what is he going to use on those interior seats? It's a King Ranch seat. Generations and generations ago, it was all about those really tough King Ranch seats to work with. Wants to know, what can he put on them? What can he do? Yeah, he can use any kind of cleaner now because I don't believe they're using raw aniline leather. And the big issue with leather is natural raw leather, which is what King Ranch had for a lot of years. Uh, actually, I think it'd be a lot less years than people think. Those seats were, I think, maybe five to six years, maybe seven years in the lineup. Uh, but actually, one of the things people don't realize about even aniline leather is it still can be shot with a clear. So I've had very, very small percentage of cars I've ever worked on was pure, naturally uncoated leather. And let's just make it simple because there's a lot of different terms for natural leather is what you're looking for is does this leather have a clear coat on it or a, a thin clear coating on it or doesn't it? And when it doesn't, and you're more in a natural leather, you know, you need to be in something pretty natural, uh, you know, saddle soap, those kind of things, very, very natural soaps to clean that leather. Uh, you want to stay away from any type of cleaner on natural leather and, and more likely you'd be really, really good with a natural soap and, and hot water uh, would be, the best way to clean those seats because it has zero chance of staining. But, uh, you know, guys got in trouble on those King ranch. They just didn't take enough care. And, and as you know, those seats age pretty bad if they, if they get cleaned improperly. So you mentioned, uh, what was it a week ago, a week and a half ago, something you were embarrassed about, right? Did an episode on something you were embarrassed about. I, this weekend got very embarrassed, Nick, a, uh, a car deal fell through, Wife needs to go look for a different car. So we're out hunting. We're out shopping. It's crazy. It's fun seeing the, the prices start to drop. You see all this reduced price. It hasn't been this low in 30 days. And you go, okay, cool. That's great. Great. The interest rates, as we talked about, are booming. Back to, oh, yeah. as, as what we had said, back to more probably what we're used to seeing from back in the day. What I'm not used to seeing and what I am embarrassed about I, I don't even know if I should show the picture. It's so disgusting. This is almost about a $30,000 vehicle and the stains on the seat carpets were disgusting. I just go, whoa, 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 whoa. It's an embarrassment to what we do 
as an industry. It's an embarrassment to what we do as a craft, embarrassment what we do as a trade, as a business, as a passion, as a hobby, whatever you want to call it. We'd like to call it a purpose more than passion, but geez, is that what happens? Everybody's so passionate and then suddenly we get all this shit show of a detail. Like what can we, is there anything that we could do? Probably not, not sure. But how do we take that embarrassment? Because I look at it and I, I just, I almost want to go up to the dealership and be like, Hey motherfuckers. But I don't know if it'll get anywhere. They'll want what 70 bucks to get it cleaned up. And then we can't afford, like, what do you do with this whole my? It's just terrible. Yeah, you're in a position where used car reconditioning is basically gone. I, I, I've i said this on this podcast before when we were out looking at even something like a Porsche Panamera. I mean, we looked at it, all four rims were rashed. The interior wasn't even vacuumed. I mean, we went and looked at an Audi in the same condition. Uh, and I finally had a guy tell me, he goes, yeah, you know, with, with the situation that we're in, we don't need to recondition cars anymore. And so you saw dealers bail out on reconditioning uh, for new detailers, that's that's what the department is called in dealerships to to recondition vehicles. That's that's how they label it. Uh, they don't actually label it detailing. They label it as a complete reconditioning. They just don't do it anymore. And and look, that will normalize when inventories get back up, which they will someday. Who knows when? Inventories go back up. The used car market gets a little more competitive. They'll they'll go back into reconditioning. But I, I think probably what you're seeing is there was no real reconditioning done or even paid for. And, and so I'm not going to put this on our industry as much. I'm just going to put it on when dealers have the option to not do something, they're just going to choose not to do it. So it has nothing to do with us hating on them so much and not giving them proper. Oh, I think that's a different conversation, I, I, but you know, this world really well. Dealers have never looked at detailing a car as a positive. They've always looked at it as a negative. And so the minute that they could quote unquote, get that negative out of their life, uh, they did. And it was one of those low hanging fruits that went by, <laughs> you know, it's like rim reconditioning. It's, it's all of it. You know, they, they don't fix dents anymore. In a lot of cases, uh, they just bailed on what we would all consider doing the right thing. They never viewed it that way. They did it out of necessity to compete in the market. They didn't do it because they thought it was the right thing to do. True. Uh, Nick, there are plenty of people that have listened uh, over the, as you mentioned, those things you talked about. You've also talked about something that multiple people are really starting to latch on to, and it's about asking questions. And uh, you've gotten some DMs, so I, we love it that people are listening and they're engaged and they're, they're starting to ask questions. I got a DM, though, like, let's toss this back and forth because this is where it gets really interesting, rubber meets the road type of deal. It first starts out with, hey, bud. Hey, bro. <laughs> yeah, I should have said asking professional questions. I think I may am, you know, like so many people, uh, I'm not perfect, and I'll take the loss on this. I should have prefaced it with asking professional questions. I really am curious if he's talked to other owners of companies and just sent a DM that said, hey, bro. Hey, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it it's was also, hey, it's it, also it, the type of question, right? Yeah, it was because, you know, to his point, he, he wanted to come to the source. And since he'd listened to your episode, he thought, Hey, I'd, let me just go to the source. Let me ask my questions. I'm in, I'm out. Bada bing, yep. bada boom. Yeah, no. And, 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 and that's the right theory to some extent, 
Uh, but in our case, we have the hyperclean specialist group. And we actually build that group and monitor that group and don't allow foolishness to go on in that group for a certain reason. We want you to be able to go in there and ask questions because look, you may be talking to somebody in your area that deals with your climate, that deals with your type of clientele. You know, the, there, there's this idea that every company has every answer you're looking for. And actually the collective like specialist group is going to have much more answers than I'm going to have as an individual, because we got close to 500 members in there. Those guys are actively using the chemical every day. They may be in your area. They may be dealing with your climate. They may be dealing with a climate like yours. I can't know everything about every little small town or city in America and what you're dealing with. So that's the benefit of something like specialists. It, it's, it's just more resourceful to go to a bigger group of people than it is to actually come to us. And specialist is a, it's a reason we use the word. It's not just a random group of people. There's yeah. people that are really trying to be specialist in car care, their own car or customers' cars, either yeah. one. They want to specialize in being a very, very good detailer. Right? Yeah. And they, and they have, they have, access to a lot more information as a collective than I do, right? Like you and I only know what we know, what we're dealing with in the day that we're dealing with it. Uh, and, and I get it, you know, hyper general generalized questions are not actually that helpful to your business. And you should be looking for how do I have the most detailed question that I can possibly have, because that's what's going to actually help me. I should have been a little bit more clear about the professionalism part. Uh, evidently, uh, I, I wasn't clear enough on that. All right. So we'll get into a couple of those specifics like slick spray code, you know, layering stuff. We'll get into those. But before we do, we probably ought to have a little bit broader discussion over if I'm dealing with a car and I have an issue with whatever it is that I'm putting on or cleaning or trying to wipe off, whatever, there's something issue going on with the coating or the, the cleaner or right. Go through the list. You can go through any list of what you're having, might having an issue with people want guidelines and we try to do our best. And we are actually, we just finalized it earlier in a, in our own personal meeting the amount of labels that we just are getting reprinted, redesigned, the amount that we're investing would blow people's minds. But yep. we took very specific on trying to give out some guidelines, trying to give out some, here's some ideas on how to use it. But there's so many variables, right? Like a large versus small vehicle. What, what's been freshly cleaned uh, versus, here's the interesting word that not many people probably want to deal with. Starts with an N, neglected. Yep. Let's first, at least, how do we define a neglected vehicle? Because most people are probably going to go, ah, oh, no, no, this is fine. It's fine. It's not. Yep. But what really is a neglected vehicle versus a So I, I think this is an interesting exercise anybody can do. Um, in detailing, what we do is we think of neglected vehicles as heavily swirled and destroyed interiors and hasn't been cleaned in a year. And that puts us in a really, really small box of what neglect means but i would i would tell everybody doesn't matter the climate you live in because i lived on the nicest parts of southern california before i moved to vegas and i can tell you the salt water air was as harsh as anything on cars 
The same goes for the sun here or the salt and the mud and the snow. Everybody's got something that's corrosive to their car. Here's the crazy thing. Drive your car for 30 days, every day to work, some errands on the weekend, seven days a week, like the, like the average guy is driving his, his truck or his car or his SUV. Don't clean it. Don't vacuum it. Don't wipe, you know, don't even wipe the top of your steering wheel because you see the dust. Don't do anything. By the end of 30 days, I, I think you're going to be looking at a neglected vehicle. Now, there's levels of neglect. But to me, neglect really starts as, as quickly as a month. When I really look at the history I've had with cars, I just don't think we talk about in detailing as clearly enough as how quickly a car be, can become neglected. And, and honestly, it, it's a month. If the person's really, really driving a vehicle hard and they're in a lot of climate, it could be quicker than that, where neglect really starts to set in and affect that car in a negative way. It, it's very much, much quicker than what we talk about in the polishing world and, and all these little areas we live in. We don't talk about how quick neglect can happen. And that comes into key because if you've got a car that maybe you aren't sure about why something's not working, okay, here's where you go into. You go into two, two phases of what you can do. This is what most people go into, right? How do I solve it with this product and the system that, you know, the product has put together? Or how do I figure it out? Right. There's there's a group of people that just want to have this exact thing that, hey, you tell me what to do so it will work. Yep. And then there's another another group of people more specialized, right, more probably honed in that go, all right, well, that didn't work. I'm going to try this. Well, that didn't quite work, but I saw this. OK, now I'm going to add this to it and I'm going to do this. Oh, looky there. It got figured out. And this is, you know, a perfect example might be my my previous nemesis, GMC black paint. Right. Like you, you could have almost a I'm going to use this foam pad and I'm going to I'm going to use this product and I'm going to put this amount on. You could. On one vehicle, but the next GMC black paint might not do the exact same. You might get lucky and have two, but to think that every GMC truck you're going to be able to do the exact same thing on. That's just a bit far-fetched, in my opinion, that I could do the exact same thing on every single GMC. You mentioned in a discussion we had had, this gets even more on Toyota, right? Like Toyota yeah. paint systems versus everybody else. Yeah. So yeah, what does yeah, it look no. like? I mean, it yeah, what is it? How do we, what does it look like? How do we, how well, do we use what people are telling us in instructions and kind of guidelines yeah. and also figure well, some uh, things out? Well, let's look at it with, with slick, right? Slick is at its best as a drying aid and as a last step protectant, right? Just as a nice, quick, easy protectant. I can go to your Jeep that has a million different protective products on it because we test a lot of stuff on our own cars, but you have an underlying protective layer and you could neglect that for 30 days. When you go to wash it, because you have all that protection on the car, you see it, then you start using slick and you can get away with one or two sprays on a door panel and, and one spray here. And because you got an underlying coating on the car, right? 
let me go to a Toyota that's been neglected for 30 days. And we're not talking about massive neglect here by most people's account, but this is neglect. The car has been driven every day, whatever, but it has no underlying protection on it. I may go with that same slick and on the door, I may use six sprays instead of the two to three that says on the bottle. I may use seven sprays on just one half of the hood because the 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 clear coat and the paint system is so porous and it just soaks up all that protectant. I can remember times, and this has probably happened to all of you, where I sprayed a protectant on the car and I just watched it soak in. And I'm like, what the hell just happened? Then I do a second spray in another area and it just soaks right in. That is a paint system that's looking for protectant, looking for nourishment, looking for something to rejuvenate it. And then the guidelines on the bottle say two sprays, you know, two to three sprays. Well, this product didn't work how it was supposed to. Yeah, that was a guideline. But I also could have a coated vehicle that's kept clean every week, and I only use one spray of slick on the door because that's plenty. That would be the majority of my clientele, actually. We don't overly have to use slick on well-maintained vehicles. It goes a long way. So analyzing where you are in the neglect scale of the car you're looking at and also the different paint systems that exist, you can take a product like slick and look at the guidelines and use it perfectly to the guideline and not get a great, perfect experience because you're working on a severely neglected vehicle that maybe needs double the amount of sprays in the area than what's on the bottle. But that's only going to be identified by you watching what's going on as you're working that product in, as you're dealing with that product. And by the way, this happens across the board of every chemical I've ever used. This has nothing just to do with just hyperclean. But, but, but Nick, we put on there, right? If on the label it says two sprays. And you just told me I got to use four sprays. Oh, damn it, Nick. It's no longer. That's not as good. It's not as good. Man, there's something wrong with the product, right? Like that is a thought process that runs yep. through some people's head. Well, hey, they, the company says I need to put two sprays on. Well, why I, should, I shouldn't have to put three or four. That doesn't make sense. Come on. There's, oh, damn it, yep. Nick. Right? Yep. Like that no, is that, a that, theory that, that is some a thing. people. Yeah, it is a thing. I And I don't know how to get it over that theory other than to have a laugh about it, right? Like I, I see the DMS. I see people ask these questions and I just go, I, I remember somebody telling me how many dots to put on a panel when I'm going to go buff it. Oh, yep. I remember a guy telling me, Hey, yeah, put, put a couple dots on your pad. Like I, I I've listened to people and then I've also been in a vehicle and working on it and go, you know, those three dots that that guy told me to put on, I might need more than three this time. I, I did not send him a message. Or less. Or I, I less. didn't send him a message. You know, yeah, I, you I did. didn't blow up their company. Hey, yeah. I, I had to use four instead of two. Yeah. And by the way, this is this is something that a lot of owners talk back and forth about. I mean, we should say that. We're, we're actually referencing a bunch of conversations from a bunch of different owners that we talk to throughout the industry. There's a growing frustration of, people not understanding guidelines. So you, let's use something from, from your everyday life. Speed limits are a guideline. <laughs> okay. Now, Especially there with you, huh? <laughs> yeah. So speed limits are a guideline, right? Now I, I, I get it. Everybody's going to say, well, you could get a ticket. Well, hear me out on this. There's different parts of the country where the speed limit can say 65 and traffic always moves at 80 on that road. 
if you go 65 because you just follow the guideline, you're going to get run over by traffic. It's really popular leaving Vegas to try to get back to Southern California. That traffic will move at 80 when they're, when it, when it's moving, it's going at 80. And so what happens is if you're the guy going 65, you think you're doing all the right things. What you're actually doing is putting a lot of people in danger. You're supposed to move at the flow of traffic, right? The speed limit's 65 and traffic is stopped and you go 65, you're going to cause some havoc. You're going to wreck some cars. It's a guideline of what's going on. It's the same thing on the bottle of a chemical. The one thing that, that, that I can say is universal amongst chemicals. And the only thing I found that's universal and something we don't talk about enough and probably don't put it big enough on every label. The only thing that's 100% with chemicals is you better shake them every time you use them. That's the only universal thing that exists. How many sprays you might have to use on a panel. Let's use an example like APC. That's something you and I grew up on. Okay. APC was a big deal on interior cars. The whole time I've detailed cars, I can mix it four to one. I get to a smoker's vehicle that hasn't been cleaned in two years. And I try to use it four to one. I'm going to be using a lot of elbow grease, or I can mix it 50, 50 bump up the chemical amount and say, Hey, we got to go to work here. There is no universal. There's recommendations on how to use APC, but there's times where I bet you've damn near used it full strength because you've looked in there and went, I need all the help I can get. That's just the way of the world and the way of chemicals. And the same goes for these paint, you know, these paint sprays are getting way too much credit and are getting way too much blame, in my opinion, for, from any manufacturer. I'm here to tell you, use the guidelines. Always start at the guidelines. When the guidelines seem like they're too much, reduce it. When the guidelines seem like it's not enough on the panel, add a couple sprays. It's really as simple as that. The same way you adhere to the speed limit, you don't go 65 when traffic is going zero. And you don't go 65 when the traffic is moving at 80. You use it as a guideline of what's supposed to happen on that road. Mm. I like that analogy, Nick. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it is, they don't, they don't just give away this intelligence, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that uh, people, we've been talking about slick a little bit and, and they're curious, right? Like what is the difference between slick and spray coat? Right. You and I have talked about this. It's it's we've actually even talked about it on the episodes a little bit. We've hinted around about spray coat and what its purpose is, but it seems to be, and especially since we're talking about sprays, because you know, hey, I need to use this amount of sprays. And uh well, I'm just cautious, right? I'm cautious because I gotta use more spray. I, what do I need another spray for? Nick, what's the difference? Why should why should somebody use spray coat versus slick? We we talked about it even inside the specialist group. You know, hey, sometimes use spray coat, you know, use that. Then next time use slick. Like well, the, yeah, the number one reason is is user experience. One spray coat is a spray on rinse off formula. Slick is a hand applied formula. So number one, that's your biggest divider right there. The next part is chemistry. The chemistry you can achieve in a spray and rinse off formula is very different than one that's going to be applied by hand. And let's use a simple example. When you apply something by hand, somebody's got to buff it off. So I got to work my active ingredient to a point that it's user-friendly. Spray on rinse off, you and I weren't really dealing with smearing and heavy buffing because the water took care of rinsing away that extra product. You're able to do different things with the chemistry the, the, the number one thing that everybody will see is spray coat is a more aggressive water behavior. 
it's less about looks, even though you'll get a little pop on the paint. It's more about I'm adding this really robust protectant. I want this kind of water behavior, that sheeting, that fast sheeting, that fast beating type of, of, of experience where I think slick is going to add a more warm glow to your paint and is more about, you know, the, the thing that people miss about a drying aid, a drying aid is less about the protectant and more about the lubrication of drying the car and keeping your towel from marring the surface. So here I am adding this protectant. I want to make sure that my towel cleans up all the little extra water that I have, and it keeps my towel from marring the surface as I'm running it over. Because if you just wipe with a dry towel, a lot of times you mar the surface. And so they're just, to me, two very different products. And again, here's what we're learning. So for everybody that asks why there's multiple sprays, Marty basically had a conversation last week before Thanksgiving holiday. As we get more questions on sprays and as people are trying to get different things out of sprays, we realized you could have five to six sprays to try to accomplish everything every customer wants to accomplish of our, of our lineup. And so I look at it very differently than I did when I wasn't an owner, because honestly, there's certain guys that are looking for, I don't care about water behavior. Can you give me more gloss? And this guy over here cares only about water behavior. And this guy cares how it applies. And this guy cares that it lasts nine months. And it, that's where you get into trouble, not only as a detailer, but, but as a manufacturer, you know, there's all these different people that want to accomplish all these different things with all these different sprays. And that's cool that that's happening in our industry. I would say that the number one thing that I would tell everybody is use enough spray to get the behavior and the look you're looking to get and be done with it. That's the number one thing that I see guys fighting is they're trying to use so little product or they're trying to use the perfect amount of product Neither one of those products can be overused, so don't worry about it. Go out there and enjoy the product. Put three or four sprays on if that works. Put eight sprays on if that works. It's very cost-effective. It's very user-friendly. It, there's no, no reason to look at the guidelines, no reason to look at those products and say one replaces the other. I use both of them on my customer vehicles and my personal vehicles, and I've enjoyed the hell out of it. So you mentioned cost. I think that's a big thing as detailers, whether it's personal or business, right? Detailing, making car life better, that they go, yeah, but I'm spending too much money if I put four sprays instead of two. So let's just do a quick analogy real quick. Let's say you get slick and let's just throw a number out there. I haven't tested it. I don't think Nick's tested it, but let's just say in a 16 ounce spray bottle, you get a hundred trigger sprays. Let's just say, and Around that car, you use an extra five, an extra eight, an extra 10. What's that really cost you, Nick? 30 cents? Yeah. 40 it's, cents? It's, like So I, I told you, I mean, I, I run a big business and we go through a lot of chemicals. You know, if you detailed 10,000 cars a year, just basic interior and exteriors, that's all you did. Just basic services where you used a last step product like Slick and you used product like Revive on the interior good stuff, right? You use good wheel cleaner, TRX, that kind of thing. That was, that was your lineup. And you did 10,000 cars a year. You wouldn't spend $10,000 on chemicals. I can tell you because we've done those kind of, we do those kind of numbers in my business. It's you very rarely ever use a dollar or more to, to, to take care of vehicles on average. And so let's just use a number. Let's say it costs less than $5 every time I, I detail my car to maintain it. 
that's a pretty damn good deal. And so to worry about an extra ounce of soap or five extra sprays on a car, or I had to put a couple extra ounces of this into there, or I had to use TRX at a stronger dilution to get these tight. The stretching of chemicals is going to destroy your sanity as a detailer. You're going to have to use more elbow grease, which inflicts more damage on rims, paint, interior, instead of just using the chemicals free and clear and go. You know what? It doesn't matter how much chemical I use. It's damn affordable to A, run my business or B, just do it in my garage. There is no reason, like you said, and and an extra 30 cents in slick on a vehicle just seems like a non-discussion at this point. All right. So then one that's different, it's kind of a different way of going about the thought process. And let's throw this back and forth is, well, what about the people that aren't wanting to use less sprays, but they're really curious about, well, I start to want to layer coating, right? I'm new into hyper clean. I come from these other groups and we're all about layering. We're all about layering. Hey, I know I can get X amount of years on, I can get two years on dose, but Hey, does that mean that I, I put two layers on, I'll get four. Uh, hey, I got glass coating. It's going great, man. I love it. But uh, how do I get more? I want more. So let me put on more layers. I, I'm going to love to hear what you have to say, because I feel like I've beaten this to dead horse over the past years. Adding layers doesn't mean you're adding years and doubling years of protection. It actually becomes not smart. It's like use the well, technology yeah. that's in the coating yeah. and yep. stop using inferior products that require all this layering and all the time, energy, and effort that goes into it. Put on dose, put on glass coating, and then, hey, magically there's a spray that you can use to maintain it. So, Man, I'd love to know your thoughts, yeah. Nick, because I think everybody's used to my thoughts. Look, I, I've, you know, go back to, to 2009, 10, 11, few years there, there was no option but a layered system, right? And the reason that layered systems existed, just so everybody knows the science is, is that you couldn't get the top layer, the top coat and the base coat in the same bottle at the time. The chemistry wasn't there. And so what you did is you laid down a base layer. It was usually pretty tacky. And then you put a top layer on, and that was usually uh, much more slick and, and that part of the coating. And that was the basis of a, of a multi-layer system. As coating technology advanced, you started to see that you could mix those two things together and get a better user experience and get a more consistent user experience as well. Because a lot of problems with layered systems is if guys don't do it exactly right, they don't lay the top coat on efficiently, and maybe they waited too long you can get a lot of rejection in those coding systems. So number one, layer systems never work like that anyway. You never got a one-to-one -one with every extra layer, right? If this layer was four years and you put another layer on, you weren't getting eight years. Uh, that that has never been the case ever in the history of coding. Now, if people are selling you that, you, you need to run the opposite way. But when you have a one-layer system, it's because the base and the top coat are mixed together in the system. So there is no reason to layer. And by the time you go back and you start adding a second layer, what you're getting or what you're seeing on the surface is pure rejection of the coating. And so you're just wiping it off for, for no real reason at all. If you want to do that because you have extra coating and it makes you feel good, I, I can't stop you. It's not going to give you any benefit. When it comes to glass coating, we've had a ton of 
conversation around this recently in the specialist group, which is great. Uh, you know, you think you're laying it on thick. I'm telling you, most people don't lay it on thick enough. And by the way, that goes for there's German glass sealants that have been around for decades that are the same. When you're dealing with glass, you need to make sure to lay on that that initial layer very, very thick uh, because that gives you the best chance to get into the most pores and it's got the most flash time. And there's a lot of reasons for it. And you want as much active ingredient on the surface as you can get because you want to protect the glass. But layering has never been a one-to-one thing. That's not, that's the first point I have. But secondly, layering is outdated technology. There's just no debate about it. You're seeing more and more companies now talk about, oh, I just released our coating. It's just a single layer. That's the way everyone's going to go because that's the way the technology was five, six, seven years ago. Uh, and, and they're going to catch up eventually when they decide to catch up, but everybody's going to go away from layered systems. Okay. All the way out. No more layers, which we started to see some of those layering companies have now suddenly started yeah. to switch to. Yeah. Oh, and, and by the way, technology is supposed to advance. I don't know how many times we say this on this podcast, but it's a lot. Technology is supposed to advance. So you started at this place where you couldn't put these two things in the same bottle. Then you figure out how to put them in the same bottle, which makes it a one layer system. That's how technology is supposed to work. And it's how it's worked in ceramic coating. Yeah. All right, man. Fun discussion coming out of uh, Thanksgiving. I know I'm fat and happy. My ribs (laughs) turned out great. I chomped on them all weekend. Hopefully your, uh, your ordered uh, food came in quite delicious <laughs> yeah, and every, everybody yeah. was happy and you had a wonderful oh, yeah. Thanksgiving, man. Great you discussion. Too, man. Uh, we'll see you next week, brother. All right. Thanks guys. Hi, this is Marshall. And this was a great episode. Like we normally have Nick and I usually have some great discussions back and forth, but I want to reiterate one thing for you. And And I'm going to tell you, we did not create the HyperClean Specialist Group first before we started everything else. There's a lot of people that have grown fame or grown their companies or grown out of creating a Facebook group. There's even people that will laugh at each other and scold people like, listen, dude, you're nothing but a Facebook group, so chill the fuck out, right? We didn't do that. I didn't do that. I actually stayed out of creating a group all the way until this year. I did not see the value in doing it until now. And so if you've got a question about how to use something, how to be a part of HyperClean, go into the HyperClean specialist group. There's guys like Dustin Stanley who have grown grown into distribution who would love to talk to you about how he uses product. Derek from DJ Detailing, probably the, the longest user of HyperClean of anybody. He's happy to talk to you about it there. And you know what? Let me send you a personal invitation. If you don't get your question answered there out of guys that I depend on, I value, and I trust, and there's many more. Supreme clientele is a great one. There's all kinds of people that are inside that group that are going to answer your questions and be a part. This is why we have a community. I know other people have taken that word and they've tried to use it for themselves. All good. It's a great word. Nobody has done it like HyperClean. Go be a part of the HyperClean community inside the HyperClean Specialist Group. Those guys want to be a part of your journey. We all want to grow together. And as the tide rises, 
So do all the ships. So come be a part. Ask your questions there. Lean on some guys. Everybody wants to be a part to help you enjoy your car life. Hey, this is Marshall, and I hope you make it a great day.